0: David Mooney and I'm Sam Lee and this is Why Always Us a Manchester City podcast from The Athletic in each show, me and Sam will be looking back at all of the main stories from the last week at the Etihad, and we'll also bring you the very latest big-name interviews, breaking news and reaction to the big matches. This week, with Liverpool so far ahead in the Premier League and City in good positions in the cups, both domestically and in Europe, what should fans expect from the second half of the season? It's been bubbling under the surface for a few weeks now, but what on earth has happened to Raheem Sterling? He's really struggling at the moment, so what's the root cause of his loss of form, and what can Guardiola do to get it back? And after a week of discussions about penalty takers, it was lucky that Ilkay Gundogan was on the pitch on Sunday lunchtime because if he wasn't who knows where that spot kick would have ended up but is the manager serious could he honestly put Edison on penalty duty all that coming up podcast is brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. The Bet365 app lets you access pre-match and in-play markets and provides instant match updates across the biggest sports. Bet365's Bet Builder lets you create personalised bets and calculate the odds for any football match right there in your hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Now we've seen how imperious Liverpool have been in the Premier League this season and even the most optimistic. Of City fans have chucked in the towel at the idea of catching them at the top of the table. But with City through to the next round of the FA Cup with a healthy lead in the League Cup semi-finals, and with a difficult but not unwinnable draw in the Champions League, what should we consider the marker for success for the end of this season, Sam? So how far should City fans expect
1: to get in the cup competitions this season? Well, I think I I kind of think not not taken for granted that wouldn't be the right phrase, but I'm kind of thinking. Everyone's going, I'll get to the end of the season and the two domestic cup competitions will be fair enough as if that is going to happen. And look, fair enough, you'd think Carabao-wise, there is a good chance of that happening. FA Cup, you know, it could be Liverpool away next round and that, you know, historically could mean curtains. Well, unless well, uh,
0: well, well, I was going to say, if
1: they get through this one and if they decide to turn up for that one, because they might, I don't know. They might have to protect their forty-eight point lead in the Premier League that weekend.
0: I was going to say, surely at this stage, every City fan should be crossing the fingers to hope that Liverpool just chuck in the towel in this in this replay. Because, like, when you look at who's left in the competition, you would say City have a pretty decent chance against any of them unless they get drawn at Anfield.
1: Yeah, um, and to be honest, to be honest, City should be. Well, they shouldn't feel confident about winning at Anfield, but it's not—it's not impossible. I mean, that's a podcast for another day, anyway. Let's, <laughs> if, it, if it happens, we'll cross the bridge then. But anyway, I think both cup competitions would—nobody would say it's been a good season because you know you'd expect better in the Premier League, even though they haven't completely disintegrated, like we said last week. You'd probably expect better, um, and then obviously it depends what happens in the Champions League. And I've no idea which way this Real Madrid tie is going to go. Uh, I'm sure we'll speak a lot more about it nearer the time. But I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, it's kind of toss of a coin at the moment. I'm still kind of thinking: if you had to trust a team um, to turn up and put in a big performance on the European stage, would you go with Real Madrid or Man City? And I'm, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Well, I, yeah. I, well, I'm, at the moment, I'm leaning towards Real Madrid, even though you know it's not the best Real Madrid team. But I just think you know, there's there's a lot to be said for experience in the Champions League and there's a lot to be said for Real Madrid's experience I think City are the, uh, the better of the two sides I think Guardiola will come up with something that will you know outfox them um, but you know you can never legislate for the odd goal or just whatever whatever. so I know it's still at a way off yet um, if City were to go out at that stage get to the end of the season winning the FA Cup it would be a Uh, okay. I think that would be it. I think we'd be having the same conversation in May if that were to happen. I'm not sure how we'd be able to to describe it otherwise. If they get past Real Madrid and win those two cup competitions and then we'll have to see what happens after that. But if they get past Real Madrid, that will be a a big step because they've needed a big game like that to to come through. So it's all rides on that. The season basically rides on the Champions League.
0: Yeah, Um, well, I was going to say, let's look at the FA Cup to start with. Fulham dispatched pretty much with ease on Sunday. Uh, It was a tricky tie, that, or, or, or a potentially tricky tie that was made very easy inside six minutes, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. Uh, like I tweeted as well at the time, the, the red card looked harsh. And I know it's not harsh because the laws are: if you deny a goal-scoring opportunity and you have no intent to play the ball, then you're going to get a red card. And that is exactly what happened. So fair enough. It just looked <laughs> like it, you know he didn't just take him out. It it wasn't like a big last man thing. You know, even David Luiz's last week kind of looked harsh, but it wasn't even as bad as that. Yeah. You know, but but yeah, fine. Yeah, and that that was it. As you mentioned about the penalties, I'm sure we'll come into that in detail later on, but. I suppose it was a good job that, um, Bru- uh, that Gunderwin was on the pitch. Sorry, but there was never really any doubt about that. And afterwards, I've got to confess the Bernardo Silver goal. I was, I was trying to sort something out, set my article up because after that, <laughs> after that, after that one 0 I thought I've got to confess I didn't bother watching. No, the no, game. <laughs> no, not, no, no, not to that extent. But I was like, I could, I could kind of, I can get a bit of writing done. But I was just setting something up, and as soon as Bernardo turned, and then turned again. I just instinctively must have thought, well, this is going to to pass it to someone else, and they're going to pass it wide, they're going to do that. Because I think City had already done that at that point, but they certainly have in the last three years anyway. So I momentarily looked down and then heard the cheers and looked back up. And the ball's in the net. I was like, What what has happened there? Because I genuinely just did not expect it subconsciously to lead to a shot on goal. It's just not a very city thing to do. Uh, So, yeah, I kind of missed that one. But obviously, I've seen it. I've seen it very well since. It was a good move as well. Yeah, Eric Garcia was really good in that. I mean, I'm I'm kind of Eric Garcia propaganda account. But it's just I think because I watched it back this morning as well and the commentators were talking about how he's really doing well and getting into the team at the moment. But he's just, you know, he was carrying the ball forward. Didn't quite have the pass. Played a patient one. Anyway, this is over-analysing his role of it. But it was a good patient move for City. And that's kind of why I was so surprised he just had a shot because you think there's going to be another 40 passes before they do something with yeah, it. Yeah, they'll
0: roll it around a bit more. Because, exactly. again, of them at 10 men, you just think, oh, just keep the ball. There'll, there'll be an opportunity at some point. Yeah. Um, Gabriel Jesus got himself on the on the score sheet twice. Mm. Um, it He kind of weirdly needed that, I reckon.
1: Well, he's a confidence player. And I think this will come up again later on with Sterling. I mean, maybe that's a cliche. Maybe, maybe that's not true. But I think, I think it is. I think players, you know, certain players, certain goal scorers, they they can be very streaky. And maybe that's not the case with Jesus. But I've kind of decided personally that it is. <laughs> um, and I think he's got good runs and and bad runs, and he can miss some chances, and it really gets on top of him. I and you know, in Zagreb, I was there in the interview he did after the the game when he scored the hat trick, and he it was really like. Revealed the extent of his anguish, you know, when he doesn't score, he's like, I want to shoot myself in the head. And yeah, you know, sometimes I think, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, I have to score. And he goes, And sometimes I miss, you know, if I've got the longer to think about it, which I went back to last week when I was analysing the penalty, the penalty because you just yeah. think that's that's a terrible thing to have in your head when you're taking a penalty. That's it, that kind of uh, that kind of explains. Why he's missed six of his the ten he's ever a taken. Lot. Yeah, he's which missed a lot. Which is a bad rate. And so I've, got a feeling, him...
0: I've, got, I've got a funny feeling. I, I mean, you'd have thought I'd have checked this before I came in, but I've got a funny feeling the first penalty Jesus ever took for City, I think he missed and hit the post and then, um, or this keeper saved it and he scored the rebound. I so don't
1: I think, know. So
0: the, there's, the, there's kind of like, it it's never felt like he's been a natural penalty taker, but again, that's that's for later on in the show. Yeah. Um, just want to look at quickly at the League Cup as well because we're we're talking cup competitions now. Obviously, United
1: coming up. Um, ah, I don't like saying this, but is this done and dusted? Well, I mean, no. Obviously, it isn't. Do I expect City to win? Yeah, uh, I know. Weirdly, City haven't got a, that good a record against United, United oh. at the. Yeah, Obviously, that's been made more of since the December derby when obviously United won. But I mean, yeah, it, it cropped up in a pre-game press conference before that game, and I was like, oh yeah, they haven't actually. Um, because it, it just seems like City always do well against United and especially in the big games at oh, Old Trafford obviously the record's yeah. fantastic um, so it's a bit of a weird one that but I mean will they be buoyed by a 6-0 win at Tranme <laughs> I don't know like, just, I don't know the, the, I suppose the key to the game is again how City play and I thought if City just go 4-3-3 and blitz them in the you know because it was on the back of them doing that to Burnley Yeah, I thought if City just do this against United yeah they'll concede chances on the counter-attack but they'll Create plenty of chances, and they'll score them, and they'll be fine. And obviously, that didn't happen. But now I'm thinking, if he goes back to that four-three-three kind of thing that he did against Crystal Palace again, that we spoke about last week on the on the podcast, I'll be a bit more worried. I'll be a bit more worried about you, about City looking a bit too predictable and United at least being able to defend it. But two goal lead, yeah. I mean, it, it's not done and dusted, but I'm definitely back in City you'd, to you'd get be surprised to at this yeah, stage if yeah, City didn't sure. get
0: through um, I was going to say United have already won at the Etihad you mentioned it there does that make anybody a bit more nervy about it because uh, again the record it's almost like one of those City fan things to,
1: to keep coming back to that, that niggling doubt you know what I mean yeah but also I think it's a football fan thing you always, you always get this like there's a, a big lead in a game over two legs and everyone celebrates it for ages and then the more time passes and then it, su- it suddenly flips and then the closer you get to the game you start thinking hold on a minute all
0: it needs is an early goal
1: yeah exactly and I mean this is an extreme example but obviously Liverpool-Barcelona you know it was 4-0 and everyone was thinking oh this is great barcelona have done it what a fantastic performance and then even it just, just gets to the start of the game and you think oh, okay Anfield European Knights early goal and it, even on I mean, that was an extreme example but it happens and yeah um yeah, I don't know. You just kind of think, it—it it, sh- it is surely done. But sure, it, you know, it's but surely city, city have too much. But I don't think City will be complacent. I don't think they've shown any complacency, really. For all their problems this season, I don't think they've been born out of complacency, and I don't think they'll start in midweek.
0: Yeah, how's, I mean, how's Guardiola feeling about the fact that this time maybe isn't done and dusted, given how well they we played in the first half at Old Trafford? Because it, it should have been buried, shouldn't
1: it? Yeah, well, he was reportedly very angry about that. Um I don't know if that's true or not actually I I think it's fair to say you can imagine that being true Um, because he was actually asked that question wasn't he on TV um, by one of the broadcasters and he said what were you expecting Like straight off the bat he was like what are you expecting for us to win 7-0 he was like this is Old Trafford it's not easy but by all accounts, and you, yeah. <laughs> by all accounts, he he was saying exactly that. Uh, well, not all accounts, but one account, sort of, yeah. basically, in a newspaper. But yeah, it does seem like that would be the kind of message he would be saying to his players. You know, it's entirely consistent with everything we know about him. He should have been put to bed. Um, but even so, even if it was four or five it, nil, it, we'd just be having a slightly different conversation about, oh, what kind of teams you're going to pick? Yeah. And, you know, how how strong can you go, and this kind of thing. And it probably would have been the same kind of team as it would have been. Against Fulham, I suppose. yeah, but and now he's just going to go full strength because that's what he does.
0: And a little bit further down the line obviously is the, the Real Madrid tie. Um, it's I, it's a weird question to ask this I, I suppose, because given that city won the domestic cups last season and they've they've had a great showing in the League Cup for what feels like forever these days, does Guardiola's style of football not really lend itself to knockout football because it's it's very high risk and especially in the Champions League where away goals come into account, you, you, suddenly you know one mistake can just completely unravel a game plan.
1: Yeah, that's a massive question, that. Um, and I think it's fair enough to separate it. It's not just suiting the argument to say, oh, well, it works in the Carabao Cup, but not in the Champions League. Yeah. I think that's fair enough. Well, there's because, no away no goals. Yeah, yeah exactly. Way no goals no away goals. I mean, you generally, although City are going to play not their strongest 11, um neither of the opposition, um, they're normally going to play teams from much lower down the ladder. And yet yeah, in the Champions League, you know they might. We've seen with Atalanta and Shakhtar Donetsk and Lyon. You know they may not be as good as City, but on the on the day they can cause them problems, even if they don't win. Obviously, Lyon did last season. Um, you know, Schalke, Schalke caused City all kinds of problems in that first leg in the last sixteen last season. So you know there's, these are still good teams. They might not be as good as City, but they are still good teams with good players. And yeah, if you have a lapse or mistake or whatever, they'll punish you. Um, now back to the the big question: is is his style incompatible? Hmm. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be because the whole idea of his style is you don't get loads of chances the whole idea of Guardiola's approach is his teams have got the ball he So strangle the, the game Yeah, exactly, so the opposition don't have any it's just kind of when it doesn't work and the problem is it has been working very well in the last two seasons when City got 198 points in the league but still there was a problem in Europe <laughs> and this season hasn't been working as well And that's kind of why I'm thinking. Although Europe's on the horizon, yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of why I'm thinking this might not be ideal. Is it incompatible? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think if we looked at the games individually, I think we'd be able to pick pick it apart. And I'm sure that's something I will do in the coming weeks. Um, The other side of it is that that Spurs game. I think he kind of learned a bit. That Spurs away game, which everyone hammers him for. I think it was absolutely bang on. After going to Schalke and seeing them score twice and cause City problems, you know Hoffenheim caused City problems away from home. Obviously, there was Liverpool the year before, which can happen to anyone, but it happened to City. Um, the Leon game. I'm trying to think of others, but there there will have been. Um, well, the Spurs game in particular.
0: He like if if Aguero scores that penalty, yeah. it's a completely well, exactly. different game.
1: Well, there's that element of it, but even just in terms of the justification for what he. For what he picked, the lineup he picked, and the way they approach the game. You know, it's the usual overthinking trope which gets dragged out whenever he changes the lineup and say he don't win. But nobody mentions when they do when win. When they do win and he's and
0: he's changed my new sure everywhere. Yeah,
1: exactly. Was it was it Liverpool at home last year, in January, and Laporte was kind of playing left back and before the game it was like what the hell's going on here? And you I knew I'm sorry, people would have to take my word for this, but I knew, I was like, if Liverpool win this game or City don't win it, there's going to be some mention of that yeah. because us in the press room didn't understand what he was doing so we think it doesn't make sense. But it didn't matter in the end because City won and that's how it works. But yeah, the justification for that Spurs game and why I think it's interesting and why I'm talking about it now is because that was effectively the last big, important Champions League game that City played and Guardiola's thought, we're way too open here. The whole justification was City need to be very tight City need to just not give up chances you know even if City don't create as many as they usually do they won't give away many either and the whole point was they were trying to get a 1-0 win or a 0-0 and go and win it at the Etihad Um, and I'm wondering if they'll do that again I wonder if they'll do that at Real Madrid and just play a very un-City type of game and just even if there's three shots on target between the, the two teams. You know, if City take, can keep take, it close.
0: Keep it tight in the first leg, then maybe chaos in the second exactly. leg Exactly. see what happens.
1: Exactly. Or Obviously, if City were to get a good result, a nil-nil or a one-nil, then it wouldn't even need to be that chaotic in the second leg. But you've always got the option of, or well, we can just go for it. And obviously, the way the second leg panned out against Spurs was chaos. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because I think Guardiola thinks we are too open here. So to go back to your original question yeah i'm not sure if it's incompatible if it's working brilliantly um but i do think uh, yeah, i yeah i do think he's thought uh, we need to change something a bit here
0: yeah. Now, obviously, we we call for questions for for this show uh, on Twitter. Um, one of the things that that kind of came back quite a bit was was whether City should just focus on the cups for this season. And I, I can't believe to, that's still I, being asked. Well, well, I, well, I, I just, can. But. I, I just kind of want to get into that because it, it's not as easy as you kind of suggest just to focus sense. on the cups because because sense. there's there's momentum and there's
1: all sorts of sense. stuff yeah. in between league games. It doesn't make any sense. It never has. Like people have been saying it for about three months. But. It was even it was even easier to argue against it three months ago. Think, what are you on about? They're not playing they're not playing Real Madrid for three months. Like, it doesn't matter. Just like, focus on that game. It's three months away. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's just don't play Aguero between now and the end of February. We'll just keep him fresh. No, it works. Um, yeah, and Guardiola is actually going to be concerned, and this is this is hugely ironic considering, you know, his calls for. Not enough, you know. There's too many games, and there's not enough break for the players, not enough rest. And he, he I think, he mentioned kind of the sports science behind it the other day. It was at, in in 48 hours, you get you recover 80, per cent. and look, but obviously, if you got less than that or, or more than that, it's ideal. But I think he's already mentioned for the Real Madrid game, they're only going to have Leicester away before that. And look, because obviously they got this break in the middle of February, and you think, I bet he actually wishes there was another game before Leicester. <laughs> or I bet he actually wishes there was no break at all, and he could just move the squad around a bit. Because yeah, as you mentioned, the momentum is a huge part of it for Guardiola. It's not for everyone. I mean, look at what Klopp, Klopp did yesterday. Basically, a complete second-string team. Bring back Matip and Fabinho, who are you know who are being injured. Everyone else was basically just kids, or you know Lovren, who's basically <laughs> the same level. Um, but it, for Guardiola, that's not how it works, you know. He, he, so, first of all, he's not just going to focus on the cups in inverted commas, because that's just not what he does. Because he thinks, you know, if you win in the Premier League every weekend, you can take that good form into the midweek, and that's what's done City well over the last couple of years. Um, but the other side of it is it very rarely makes any sense anyway. Um, and again, you look at it, when when would he kind of make that change? He's not going to play a kids' team against Leicester because, yeah, you could say, oh, City are going to finish in the top four anyway, but he's not going to want to think, oh, if we lose to Leicester, that'll be fine because all of a sudden you're toying with third then. But maybe I wonder if if Laporte is the key to this
0: because Mm. the idea that maybe he, he would save Laporte for the Champions League games, the knockout games, rather than the Premier League games.
1: Yeah, well, what I will give you is, again, going back to that Spurs game, the other logic to that Spurs game last season in the Champions League was well, hold on, we've got to go and play Crystal Palace at the weekend and we we have to beat Crystal Palace because if we don't, Liverpool are going to overtake us in the league and that's it. That was the Guardiola logic. Um, two chances of beating Spurs, there was only one chance of beating Crystal Palace. The other way, now he's thinking, well, we don't need to win every game in the Premier League as much as I'd like to. So, yeah, if Laporte isn't quite ready, don't play Laporte at Leicester. Uh, don't play Laporte maybe against Burnley, but I'd imagine he probably will because Burnley's the game before the second leg, I believe. Um, so yeah, I think there will be a little bit of that because it's basically you know flipping the tables on last season. Um, City, it's just different now. You know, the, the the Champions League is now more important than the Premier League, so there will be a bit of that. And maybe De Bruyne won't play in the game before. You know, obviously it depends on kind of how they feel and in each individual player. But there, there might be a bit of that. But in terms of focused on the Cubs, I've never I've never known what that means anyway. And that—that's going to be the extent of it. It'll be resting the odd player here or there.
0: Now, he's been one of the key factors in City being as good as they've been over the last two seasons, so it's probably not unexpected that he'd have a bit of a drop-off in form. But what on earth, Sam, has happened to Raheem Sterling? At the moment, he looks like a Raheem Sterling impersonator has accidentally wandered onto the pitch in place of him. So, uh, so where, where's the real Raheem Sterling these days?
1: Uh, well, again, I mentioned earlier, I think he's a confidence player. Um, I think a lot of his struggles earlier this season, and this is, this is kind of just like a, a big thought cloud. I'm just trying to make sense of it. Um, but I think a lot of his problems earlier in the season, like many of city's problems were kind of tactical and you know due to the injuries and that kind of thing and all of a sudden you're not you haven't got the same quality of link up on the left hand side. This is somebody around Pep told me this before, you know, even just missing Laporte's left footed passes straight into David Silver just kind of slows the whole thing down, even though it's you know Fernandinho's there and he's a great passer. it's just not quite the same. all those kind of things, as we've seen with city a lot of times in that four three three you mentioned you know, Sterling and Mares on the other side or whoever it is, it's generally just coming inside. They're playing in front of a back 10. Just, they've got to take on two or three markers. So they come inside, they either try and take them on and get tackled or they just pass it back to someone else and someone puts a cross in and that's why City get so many crosses. Um, but it doesn't, it's, you know, it's, it's not releasing them into a load of space, whether it's any winger, you know, or, or obviously Sterling. So I think a lot of that, a lot of his problems earlier in the season and why... He maybe wasn't as as eye catching as the end of last season. Obviously, he started off really well, but then that kind of tailed off a bit. Maybe I don't know Novemberish, I guess. Um, maybe a little bit before that in the odd game. I remember he got Pelters at the Everton game, which was September, so it wasn't quite as consistent as the, he was at the end of last season, anyway. So, but basically, I think it's mainly tactical there because who was playing as well as he was at the end of last season? Not no one. Only De Bruyne because he was fit and he was available compared to at the end of last season when he wasn't. Everyone else was struggling because I just think the whole system, it just got a bit stodgy. And it wasn't really working as well. But the interesting thing is when he did all those tactical changes over Christmas and all of a sudden you've got Maris in particular coming in and getting in more space and being able to run at people and he's looking much more decisive when he's got those chances. And all of a sudden Bernardo Silva has been looking a bit better the last few weeks. Um, obviously De Bruyne, um, Gundogan, Mendy looking better. You know, it, Guardiola was using systems that suited the players a bit more but even then Sterling wasn't really uh, in his groove and then you think okay what is going on, on here and I wonder if again going back to this whole thought cloud thing just trying to put everything in order I wonder if the fact that he was kind of blunted a bit in the same way everyone else was maybe it's a bit of a hangover from that You know, maybe he just doesn't feel as top of the world confident as he did last season so he's just you know, it's just contributed to a bit of a blip. And again, we'll talk about this with the penalties. But when I wrote the article last week, I spoke to Sam Cartadia, who's a sports psychologist. And he was saying the problem with penalties and when people miss them is if you focus so much on it and think, oh, I need to score this goal, I need to score this penalty, or or even I need to feel confident, you know, if if you're trying to change how you feel or or you're overthinking how you feel, it all builds up in your mind. And everything else goes out the window. It you know, te- clouds everything. And that's kind of, yeah, that's the pressure. That, that clouds the technique. Because normally, 10 times out of 10 or 9 times out of 10, taking a penalty in training is not a problem. So you can train for penalties in terms of technique in training, but you can't replicate that pressure. But it's basically, you can manage that pressure a little better. You can, But you have to be just comfortable in yourself, not calm. Because if you're not calm you don't, don't concern yourself with trying, to make, trying yourself to make yourself calm, calm yeah. because you're thinking, oh, God, I'm supposed to be calm here. I'm not very calm. How am I going to do this? And then that just, you know, that adds to the other internal monologue and it creates more pressure. Um, but I kind of wonder if, if Sterling started thinking, okay, well, my form's not great here back in, you know, kind of October, November time. And now that's kind of spiralled a little bit and it's, oh God, everyone else is playing well now and I'm still not quite there. And it's just it's just one of those things. Because it's Maybe it can certainly build from up. him, it's, it's not a lack of trying. He's certainly, oh, exactly. you can see the effort though. Yeah, exactly. He's still in the right positions. And, you know, you mentioned the Fulham game. I, I look back just before we left, I looked at Scout, which is, you know, a scouting, a video platform that, you know, football coaches or no, scouts How did You, can in, you log into that. Uh, the Athletic have got an account.
0: Wasn't City's account, was it? Just, just double checking
1: on on that. <laughs> now they changed all the passwords a few years ago. Uh, that that really screwed me for a bit. There. Um, yeah, and you can break down. So I just went on Raheem Sterling and went on every event that he had in the game. And this is this is now my unscientific judgment. But I was like going to decide on a, a good, a bad, and a normal contribution. So the normal contributions were basically just passes. Just you know gets the ball in midfield, passes it Moves off. it on, yeah. Or he goes and closes someone down and to my untrained eye, fair enough, he looked like he was... <laughs> he looked like, he looked <laughs> like right. it. And maybe I was a bit, you know, a bit generous, um, a bit generous with the good thing. So there's one here, I put, he was in a good position for a cross but it was blocked. But he would have been there if it hadn't been blocked. So I'll give him a good one there. Maybe that's a bit generous. And some of the, some of the bad ones I've given him are maybe a bit harsh but overall it adds, adds it all up. And I've gone with 12 normal contributions where he just passes, seven bad, so he's just lost the ball or five good so it's kind of yeah I can Slightly see outweighed. I can see why yeah. people are asking that question now about Sterling um, but obviously he won the ball back for the, the third goal he got a bad ball from David Silver, found it hard to control I think it was David Silva. Um but won it back City scored from that um, so yeah you, you're right he's, he's, he's still there it's just that It's just not quite clicking. And I do wonder if it's a confidence thing. I I do wonder if everything's kind of built up um, and it's just one of those things that can happen to players and maybe something, you know, maybe it'll just snap out of it and it'll change and it'll it'll have a run of goals. I wouldn't be hugely surprised.
0: Mike Mike Cook sent us a suggestion on Twitter uh, saying that he predicted last September that playing him out on the left would destroy him. That was Mike's words. Um, Have I unfortunately been proved correct, he asks. Um, What do you think about maybe being on the left-hand side rather than the right-hand side?
1: Well, this gets asked so often. And now, now I'm overthinking my own analysis. But I'm certain he played on the left for the vast majority of the running last season. That's why Sane couldn't get in the team. And he was really good. He did. And he was really good. So why, <laughs> why is it any different now? I just, what, I, I, or why would that be? I don't, I, I don't understand. It's, it's Like I say, it's been said a lot. And now I'm starting to think, what am I missing? Because everyone says that. But he was really good at the end of last season.
0: Well, I just wonder if, if uh, on the on the flip side, when Guardiola came in and was and was credited for revolutionising how well Sterling was playing, the first thing he did was moving from the left in Pellegrini's system to the right in in his system. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's just a little bit about about getting more time on the right hand side, a little bit t- you know taking
1: uncomplicating un- matters for him. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think the only problem this season, the difference between this season so far in terms of Sterling's performances and the end of last season in particular. It's just the fact that, like I say, the system hasn't been quite the same. You know, they haven't been working the spaces on the left-hand side. They haven't been generating the chances down the left-hand side because of Laporte's injury and all that kind of stuff. And you know the other things with moving the number eight around and making Gundogan a bit deeper in that kind of halfway house position, which just made City more easy to defend against. And that hasn't helped Sterling. You know he's been more bogged down. So I think that's the only difference between the end of last season and this. I don't get the argument that it's a bad position for Sterling. And I'm not sure he'd have done much better on the right hand side earlier in the season, given City had loads of problems. If you look at some, you know, when City lost at Norwich and they lost at home to Wolves, Mares in particular in the Wolves game, Mares was just on his own because Gundogan had to do that thing where he was up and down, but neither one nor the other. And Walker in that uh, Wolves game was further back because he was the only fast player anywhere near the defense to guard against counter attacks, especially with. Well, Adama Traor moved up for a second half, but especially with Adama Traor around the counter. So the right winger was completely on their own, so I don't think Sterling would have been any better off on the right-hand side. Yeah. The only other theory that people have got, and it's impossible to know, is did it all noticeably go downhill after... The- um, the Joe Gomez. The Joe Gomez thing. I was,
0: was gonna bring this up because it I mean I, I I hadn't noticed that in terms of um in terms of timings when the, and then all of a sudden my mum just said it the other week. I was, yeah, somebody said not, it the other he's week. He's not been on yeah, form since well. since the Joe Gomez incident, and I
1: thought, oh hang on, that might yeah. there might be something in that. Exactly. Um I, I had a quick look earlier just to just to see because on soccer base it very handily handily lists every game they've played and if they've scored, they've got a ball next to it with a number of the number of goals. Um so it's not It's not an exact science. It's not like, oh, yeah, we scored 15 goals before this and one since. Because there have been, you know, there have been goals um, dotted around since then. But yeah, I mean, maybe there's something in that. Um, I know the way it was built up, it was a bit of a sorry situation at the time because all the information about that confrontation basically came out from agents of Liverpool players or just people to do with Liverpool. So this whole idea that he got wound up by what he saw on social media about the Liverpool game the night before and all this, I was like, is that. Is that really what happened? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it might have been, but I'm not really trusting the sources on that necessarily. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's possible because he obviously did, you know, lose his head a bit and go and have a go at him. So, you know, with him being kind of a, a conference player, like we say, and maybe things aren't quite going as well as they were, it's all contributed. That's what I mean. It's not just a thing where you just go off overnight. Because even in yeah, like I say, December, well, the middle to the end of December and then the start of this month, he's he wasn't really playing well when everyone else was. So you just wonder if all that's kind of snowballed and now it's contributed to this kind of a crisis of confidence or whatever it is. Probably not that strong, but if he's just just that bit out of touch and maybe those are the reasons why it's all just snowballed a little bit. Yeah.
0: Would he perhaps need a goal like a, like the one at Bournemouth in 2017 where he didn't really hit it properly and it fell in and it just sparked that run?
1: Yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah, because like I say, it's one of those. And like we were talking about Jesus and going on a streak... Um, I don't think Sterling's an especially streaky player, but it does seem like some maybe one kind of incident like that. You know, the reason we're asking that, it's not some new idea, is it? You know, strikers or forwards have been out of touch for a while. They get that metaphorical goal off the backside and it turns things around. You know, that is a very common thing in football. So I, and I, given Sterling, what I think I know about Sterling's character and what I can guess, confidence-wise, maybe that would... That will change
0: it. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk/athletic. Fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, budget, size and shape, and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from our selection of a hundred brands, including established names and up-and-coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can. And then pay for what you love and send the rest back. For your stylist's time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Remember, you try before you buy at home. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Stitch Fix allows you to save time because we do the shopping for you, and you'll enjoy top styling tips from our experts. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co.uk forward slash athletic. Now, Guardiola admitted that he might have to rethink his penalty takers after yet another miss this season, this time at Sheffield United, and he joked that Edison was the coolest man in the squad and that he'd be up to the task. Before the form game, Guardiola was less keen to commit on who his penalty taker would be, but could we seriously see the goalkeeper taking a spot kick before the end of the season, Sam? And I'm hoping that the answer to this question right now is going to be yes.
1: No. (laughs) Next section. He's not going to let Edison take a penalty in open play. Like, he was asked this a couple of years ago because it was actually when I thought this might have been the Gabriel Jesus penalty you were talking about. It Was at the end of the hundred points season. He, I think, it was saved onto the post and then Bernardo scored the rebound. So I think we might probably talk about yeah. different ones. Um, but it was then Edison said, "Oh, some fans were chanting my name to take the pen, and I would have loved to have taken one." So then, you know, we asked Guardiola in a press conference. He was just like, "No way, just no chance." And he, but it was like you've got to have respect for the opposition. You know, it'd be seen as taking the mick. I mean, maybe now he could justifiably say, well, he's my best taker. But if you think of it the other way, Guardiola spent all season worrying about how to guard against counter-attacks. So he's not going to leave, leave the goal open. Goal. open. Like, <laughs> to go from possibly having a chance... And obviously, if he thinks there's like a 95% chance that Edison's going to stick it away, you might think, well, he's going to score, so it doesn't matter. But that's not how Guardiola works, is it? Guardiola is very much a... You would, ch- you would surely got tell every him... every single base covered here? And one of those bases will we'll be having a goalkeeper <laughs> in goal. You would, surely, not going you would
0: surely tell him, though, wouldn't you? If, you? if you're going to run up and take this, just belt it as hard as you can, because at least if you miss, then it goes behind and you've got a few seconds to get off
1: down the other end. Yeah, but it would even, <laughs> The, the way he can hit the ball, if it hit the crossbar, he'd probably go in anyway. <laughs> go in own goal. I, I'd love to see that. Like, just imagine. I just, yeah, I can't. It's not going to happen. Uh, but he did. He did say when when he was asked, I don't know, eighteen months ago, whenever it was, he did say maybe in a shootout. It was like maybe in a shootout or something. So fine. Like that's a because again, the other side of that is it doesn't matter, does it? If he's a good taker, now I wouldn't be surprised if you know if the Carabao Cup final goes to penalties, maybe he will take one because if he starts looking down the line and he's thinking.
0: Well he's missed, he's missed, he's Sterling, missed, he's missed.
1: <laughs> Jesus, not for me, lads, not yet. Like I, I wouldn't let Jesus take one for a while. You know, he's gonna have to be in like a good headspace god. Yeah. I've been talking to too many sports psychologists. But he <laughs> needs to be in a good headspace and he need the game needs to be done before you let Sterling take um uh, well, yeah, fine, Sterling or Jesus take one anytime soon. Um so yeah, it could happen in a shootout. And I'd I'd love to see that. It would be great. It would be great to see him take one in the shootout. It'd be great to see him take one in open play. But the difference is one might happen and one definitely isn't going to happen. Yeah. I mean, on a more serious
0: note then, Gundogan's not on the pitch. who does City
1: turn to? You'd think the player who's most likely going to be on the pitch at all times would be De Bruyne. Um, I think people started wondering about this more so, probably about six weeks or so ago. And it was after the derby at Old Trafford when I remembered, because I've been thinking about it for a while, I thought next time De Bruyne goes through the mixture, I'm going to ask him quickly. And we spoke to him for about six or seven minutes after the, the League Cup game against United at Old Trafford and then I just went shuffled off to the side and went can I just ask why didn't you take penalties and I've I've put everything he said in that article last week but he was just uh, he was like well he goes it's more for the attackers you know it's something for the forward. it's nice for them I'm not really bothered and I was like yeah but you seem like one of those guys who's got a cool head and you know you can put the ball wherever you want to put it it just seems to make sense he was like yeah I think he goes I've taken he goes I think I've scored I missed one, but I've scored five or six or something just in that tournaments or whatever, or um, shootouts or whatever, um, which I don't think is true.
0: I remember he's missed one against Everton. He missed one City. against Everton, yeah. And so that, that would the... be the one he missed.
1: Did he take one in the League Cup against Wolves? Against Wolves, yeah. So they're, they're the the ones for um, City against Belgium. I spoke to Christoph Terreur, who's the Belgian journalist, and as far as the English journalists are concerned, the go to, just, yeah. just the go to guy Belgium for Belgian football. He says he can't remember any Belgium penalty shootouts Um, but he took two in 2014 in like qualifiers against like Andorra or whoever um, when Hazard wasn't playing so that's it Um, and then I said yeah I was like just it would be interesting to see you take one he went yeah he goes if if Pep asks I'll do it but I don't really care and that's just typically De Bruyne and you think that kind of mindset would help if he if he really doesn't care and he really can play you know with with no pressure and put the ball where he wants it. That would be ideal. I mean, unless he's unless he doesn't take it, because for whatever reason, it is. You know, that's when he he does feel the pressure. It's not all flowing in the game situation. I mean, I'm just speculating. I don't know. But yeah, to go back to your question, I would like to see him do it, and I think it makes sense because more often than not, he's going to be on the pitch, uh, certainly in a big game. Obviously, it wasn't against Fulham, but there we go. Uh, I think he'd be good at them. I know. I know the evidence suggests not because he missed the last yeah. one against Everton. It, in the well, league three game three and, anyway, and a half years ago though, so. yeah I know um, other than that well the thing is the other side of it is Aguero's not rubbish but he's got a good tell, he's got I mean, a tell good me, record. tell me honestly though when
0: he steps up exactly do you feel confident that he'll you, score. I'm
1: glad you've said that and I'm sure there's plenty of City fans who do feel the same way it's not yeah, it's it's not a situation with Aguero where you think he's definitely scoring this.
0: I have a theory on Aguero, and again, you've spoken to a sports psychologists, this could be completely wild, but I just wonder if the fact that he has time to think about it is what does for him, because when he's in open play, it's all instinct, mm-hmm. and the ball's dead on the penalty spot, he's got a free shot at goal, he should be able to put it wherever he wants to, yeah. and yet it kind of as if he goes into that overthinking mode.
1: I don't know, because the thing, again, maybe I'm wrong, but the thing with that is, with Aguero in open play, if he's got a one-on-one, you're thinking he's going to score this.
0: And he's he's got time, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah.
1: yeah, he's got time and he's thinking and you pick your spot. But think about Jesus and Sterling. If they've got time and it's a one-on-one, are they going to score? Sterling's mm. got better at it, but I'd still say that's the one, even when he was playing really well you know, six months ago or whatever it was, you would still say that's the one big area of, of improvement, even though you the know, start of the season he's rolled a couple in against West Ham and that kind of thing. So I think, yeah, I'm not sure. I think with Aguero, I, I'm not sure if that comes into it. I think he's generally calm enough... I'm not sure what it is, because, and it's weird because even some of the goals he scores, they've like, they've crept in. Some of them, like the one in the the Carabao Cup final against Chelsea last season, after the whole Kepper incident, Kepper nearly saved. Oh, he, that. Got, he got his hand he like it, went under he? Yeah. his hand against Arsenal. I don't know why I remember this as being dicey. Maybe it was just because I thought he was going to miss. But it was after he got the scoring record against Napoli. He took the penalty against Arsenal and it just came off the inside of the post and went in, which is fine, obviously. But there's always a bit of an element, or there's quite often a bit of an element, even when he scores. Like, um, it was West Ham again, wasn't it? He, he oh, we missed, had a retake. But he had to be retaken, yeah. so it's like we got away with that one. Um, so, yeah, he's still he's still really good. But the other side of it is, as well, I wonder if, because he missed that big one against Spurs, even if Guardiola might be like, no, we need we need something else here. Edison? But, <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be Gundogan, I'm sure, if Gundogan's playing. But again, if he's not, then I don't know. Yeah. But who would I have? I'd like to see De Bruyne do it. I'd like to see Edison, but it's not going to happen. Um, you'd imagine David Silva would be good at it. I remember him taking one for City and he missed that. Good. Well, he's not then. <laughs> Scratch that. Um, Bernardo Silva's taken a couple in shootouts, which is a bit different. Yeah. I could see that. Um, other than that, you're just talking absolute wild cards, basically. But I'm sure, again, it's difficult in training, isn't it? But you'd think... They'd probably have had a look at it in the last week or so and gone right. Everyone just take a pen and, we'll and see who's, we'll who's taking from more. there. It's
0: yeah. weird actually hearing Guardiola actually talk about it as well. He never, he never when something's wrong, he never
1: normally says it out loud. Yeah, are you just saying that because that was my intro, intro to the article? It's same because, <laughs> well, I, I, re- I read it and I, and I thought yeah, you're right on that one. Good because I've used that. I think I've used that um, intro probably four or five times <laughs> because that's probably four or five times he's admitted there's been a problem. The last time I can remember was speaking of that Sterling Bournemouth winner at the start of the 100-point season. He went in... He has His press conference on the Friday when City was still trying to sign Alexis Sanchez and the window was still open. He was... I can't remember if I asked him or somebody else. I was like, are you worried about goal scoring and not having enough goals? And he went, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> he didn't yeah. normally say that. Um, but yeah, and that that press conference before, he was saying, he goes, we just need something. He goes... And I think he might have even clicked his fingers. Or, again, somebody might have asked or he might have said it. We, we just need a spark. And lo and behold, they got it. That weekend. Which yeah. was incredible. Especially because they still went for Alexis Sanchez after that and obviously it didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, it, it is interesting that, that Guardiola admitted it. I suppose one side of it may just be probably, probably still quite annoyed about it.
0: Yeah, and I suppose it's also it's impossible not to admit at, the, at this stage.
1: Yeah, although, yeah, but for Guardiola, that's never really been a problem. He can be argumentative, can't he? And just be like... <laughs> no it's fine or, or just i don't know he didn't he didn't have to go into that detail really but yeah. it's interesting that he admitted it
0: Now, speaking of uh, Guardiola's comments, we've had an overwhelming number of questions about uh, his comments this week that he hopes to see more fans at Wednesday's League Cup semi-final with United, and there was a big split between those who didn't see much wrong with what the manager said in his call to arms and others who wanted to remind him that City played in an overwhelming number of games recently and fans aren't made of money. So with all that in mind, Sam, uh, was Guardiola right to call
1: for the fans to, uh, to show up on Wednesday night? Um... I don't think there'll be a problem with it on Wednesday night, but he's always done this, hasn't he? Like I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but he's always done this. Can't right. help himself sometimes with the with the atmosphere in no, exactly. the, you know the Champions League yeah, especially. Exactly, Champions League. Atmosphere and attendance kinda of goes hand in hand in Champions League. And with the rest, like like Fulham, it's more can the people just turn up please? Um and yeah, but he's never the thing is, I've s I've seen a lot of responses to this. Mainly negative from City fans, but they, you know, the kind of people who don't mind saying, you know, Man City's been there longer than Guardiola, and they will be there long after Guardiola's gone. That kind of thing. People who appreciate how much it costs to go to football matches. People I've spoken to at Norwich away. You know, people I've spoken to in Europe. You know, in Ukraine. People travel up and down the country and across Ex- Europe, exactly. actually spending the money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and the mad thing is, I think part of the other reaction is. Guardiola just doesn't get it. And why has no one had a word with him? But no one's going to have a word with him at City. No one's going to have a word with him at City. No, like, even like the communication side, I don't think, genuinely don't think anyone's going to pull him to one side and say... You need to stop doing just, this. Just stop doing it. Or, or even just say, this is why. And some of the reasons I've seen on Twitter, is with eight, there's been eight Man City games since the last payday. It's Man, Man United soon. Um, the Real Madrid home tickets are, what, 70 quid? The most expensive ones. Most expensive, yeah. And um, p- Potentially Wembley coming up for the Carabao Cup final. It's, look, it's full of my home. Like, I, I was with the, the food bank lads yesterday, and uh, one of them couldn't go because he'd stopped the cup scheme this season because the price of his season ticket. And this wasn't like a city reason that it had gone up, but it, his circumstances had changed regarding how much I had to pay for the season ticket. So it was like, oh, I can't do the cup scheme anymore. Um, so, yeah, I'm not expecting people just to magic a tenner out of nowhere if they haven't got it. But on that, in that particular element, I'd probably say fine, but um, yeah, I, I do think Guardiola just shows that he doesn't get it. You um, could e- just even make it easier on e- yourself from Pep's point of view, and just say, just show you appreciate the why people maybe can't go. Maybe appreciate the fact that people haven't got money a month after Christmas. You know, payday isn't for a lot of people till the end of this week. Um, there is big games coming up. If he if he were to show that he understands that, but then say. It would actually be nice if we we could have a big turnout. That would be great. But I understand the reasons why not. That yeah. wouldn't be so bad. But I think I think what sticks with most people is the fact that he just seems like, or at least it's easy to throw at him. You earn twenty million quid a year, mate. Of course you don't get it. If he sh- if he showed that he knows that it's it's a big burden on on a lot of fans, um, then it would at least help him out when he says oh, I would still like the stadium to be full. Because from his point of view, I'm sure he's thinking we're doing everything here. We'd still want to win these cup competitions, but you're right. The other And the other element is, look, it's Fulham at home. City are expecting to win that game. We had this, we had this conversation last year when it was Brighton at Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final. And it's an F, F, FA Cup semi-final. It's a big game, but so
0: it was Brighton. It's another it's It another was Brighton, But yeah,
1: exactly. By that point, there was already a couple of trips to Wembley that season. You knew there was going to be another one. Um, that was in that run of, there was loads of games in London, wasn't there? Because there was a Spurs game and all of that. So. Yeah, you you can't get away from the fact that the bottom line is people haven't got all this money to be to be going to so many games. And the other bit is, if I'd have been United yesterday or Liverpool, it probably would have been full because other people would have wanted to go, tourists or whatever. People would have come up from London for it to, to go and watch it maybe. But the bottom line is the core City fan base, you've still got your 30-odd thousand there, 40-odd thousand. It's full at home. It's another expense. Some people aren't on the cup schemes. They're not going to start for this. Yeah, it's completely understandable.
0: Quick question, though. You mentioned United, Liverpool, that sort of thing. Um, Does City get a bit of a heavy-handed treatment when it comes to to especially empty
1: seats? I just think that's part of... Journalists are the same as anyone else. The narrative has been set now. The empty ad narrative has been set. And journalists don't think any differently to fans. So a journalist will go, oh, there's empty seats again, I better ask about this. But there's no empty seat narrative at United, there's no empty seat narrative at Liverpool. So it's just, and I'm not saying it's right. But that's why people are it, asking questions. It, it kind of is what it is. Exactly Well, yeah, I'm not even saying, I'm I'm not saying it's right. I'm actually saying it's wrong. It's stupid. If you're if it's the, if it bothers you that much and your newspaper editor wants it to be on the back page of a newspaper, then your colleague working for that same newspaper editor should ask Solskjaer why there's fifty thousand at a game. But everyone knows, it's because it's United playing whoever at home. It's FA Cup replay. No-one's bothered. You know That's that's one of the, the fundamentals. And also, United fans haven't got any more money than City fans. One's in Manchester or whoever, in nearby or even in London. It's the same factors, but that's why. Because there's a narrative set around it now, so the journalists in that room will be thinking, oh, this will be another story. And also, that's another that's another element. It is a story when Pep talks about that. Because one, they probably know he's going to give an answer that we, we'll talk about now on a podcast. As we are doing, yeah. Exactly. Uh, and two, it's because, yeah, they... They know it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. Whereas nobody's talks about United's lower tendencies in Cubs or Liverpool's. That's just how it is. And I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I am actually saying it's wrong. But that's, that's why it is. Let's
0: fly through a couple of other questions. Feeding Gota asks, uh, should City go for Poch if he's interested in the summer?
1: In the summer, keep Guardiola for as long as possible. Keep him for as long as possible. Even if it means, if there's a choice between another season of Pep and never getting Pochettino or getting Pochettino now and not having Pep? Keep Pep. Keep Pep, yeah. even if it's for six months. Just al- keep Pep for as long as possible. He also asks, couldn't we see Fernandinho
0: back in midfield now that Laporte's back? No. Could do, but not going to happen. Not going to happen.
1: I don't think so. It's kind of that same logic earlier on. You could make a load of good cases for, for Guardiola resting players here and there, and making, but it's not going to happen.
0: Uh, Man City, think. Dallas Supporters Club, uh, the Twitter account there, asks, uh, how much of Pep's use of a back three and no striker was down to Laporte not being available? Who should now partner
1: him at the back? I don't think it, we could draw a direct line between those things which happened in, you know, Dece- well, yeah, end of December, start of January, and Laporte, because Laporte got injured in August. It was basically a last chance kind of, pff, lost at Wolves, Otamendi didn't play well, let's play Eric Garcia, and then it was, this isn't working against Sheffield United, let's go to three at the back, because he saw particular reasons. Everton playing a similar way to Sheffield United, so we kept it for that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't link it to Laporte, there's loads of different reasons.
0: And finally, Chris Semple asks, what are your thoughts on Rodri six months into his City career? Personally, I think he's useful, but not enough is made of how slow he is on transition.
1: Yeah, well, again, my Twitter feed anyway kind of makes a big deal of how slow he is. Um, I think we both know someone in particular who makes a lot of jokes about (laughs) Rodri being slow, and they are quite funny, to be fair. Um, Yeah, um, I wrote right back at the start of the season, City coaches knew that Rodri was going to need time to learn, you know, when to press up and when not to leave massive spaces in front of the defence, which is always, basically, but for him to stop doing that. Um, And, you know, for a while I was saying he's probably a bit worse than they expected at that. They probably didn't expect him to do it so often, but probably about a month ago I thought hold on, he's probably as much of a victim as anyone else, because these counter-attacks are coming from the back and I think the main underlying thing of this season we mentioned earlier on, Guardiola's been trying to stop counter-attacks all season it's the pressing, isn't it? It is the Because Guardiola denied it when I asked him about it in a press conference in December, November maybe. And after the Leicester game, he said, we've been passive at times this season without the ball. I was like, there we go. And Eric Garcia, when I spoke to him, I asked him some of the... I was like, what, what's going on this season? He was like, oh, we've been trying to work on the pressing and we're getting better. So it's the pressing. There's something going on. So there's more counter-attacks. So maybe Rodri's just as much of a victim as anyone else and any of the defenders who have been exposed. Because he's thinking... I thought I was going to come here, you know. like A bit like the Bravo thing in the first season. Bravo first season compared to Edison second season, there was much fewer shots on target in that second season. Bravo was probably thinking, I'd have played in this. <laughs> this would have been great. But by then his reputation and confidence was ruined. And Rodri was probably thinking... If you'd have saw me last summer, that would have been fantastic. But yeah, come on, what's going on here? Yeah. Because but he's putting out, he's got to try and put out fires all over the place. But combined with the fact that they knew it'd take some time to adapt, it's probably made his first season a bit harder than anyone expected. But there's definitely signs there that you know he's so good at carrying the ball, he's so good, his passing range is really good. He can hit a ball, can't he? And he's got a shot on him. I was going to say that this. that one. Obviously, he scored the one against Burnley, but that one he he hit against Sheffield United at the end of the last week. Which yeah. Probably he should have probably thought, put his foot on it and pass it and waste time. But anyway hit it. He'd be an interesting one for penalties, although I wonder if the ball has to be like rolling towards him to do that, or across him. But I'd like to see him take Just give him a longer run-up, see what happens. Uh, but yeah, so I think that's the thing with Rodri. I think the underlying thing to this season is the pressing. Something's changed there. I don't know what. I don't know if it's desire, mentality, change of shape, tactics, whatever. I hate to say this. I know, right, we're going right for the, forever. I, Yeah,
0: but I hate to say it's right at the end of the show, but... um, David Silva can't run like he used to.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, there's that as well. Yeah, you are right at the end of the show. I thought we were going to be done at about 35 minutes. That, here we that, are that's again. a can
0: of worms to finish on, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> right, well, that's it for this week's Why Always You've been listening to The Athletic City Correspondent, Sam Lee. Thanks very much. And me, David Mooney. We'll be back next week. Don't forget, for ad-free podcasts, make sure to subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now by using the code MANCITYPOD.